Hello friends, welcome to Running and Fitness with Raj. This show will bring you exciting and interesting guests and give you specific and actionable advice on your running, fitness and general health. We have a very special guest today. Uh, I'm really, really pleased to welcome Brad Barton from the United States, who is an outstanding athlete. Brad is the first person in history over the age of 50 to run sub 4 minute and 20 second in the mile. Now, this may, this may sound like a, a little bit of an exotic sort of a record, but the true significance of this can be judged by the fact that this time is very good, even for a high schooler. In addition, Brad was an All-American steeplechaser and in his earlier younger days was also a good, a good miler, just like he is now an outstanding uh, older miler. So listeners would also recollect that we have had a couple of episodes where we have spoken about... Uh, being fast and fit and uh, uh, all that, uh, you know, we spoke to Keith Bateman from Australia. We have spoken to the legendary coach Joe Friel, who has written the book Fast After 50. So we have had some, uh, we have had some guests who we have already talked to in f- about different aspects of uh, of being fit, uh, fast and fit after the age of 50. But here we have Brad. I'm so delighted to have him. Uh, he will be taking us through some of his guiding principles and his uh, his motivation. So wonderful to have you, Brad, and welcome to the show. Raj, it's nice to know you and to, to be speaking to your listeners. Thank you, Brad. Uh, thank, thanks a lot. So as we talked a bit about uh, in the pre-show, uh, just give the listeners a little bit of your background and your, your you know, I, I, I kind of mentioned a few points, but, you know, we would all love to hear in your own words uh, about yourself. I grew up on a cattle ranch um, near Salmon, Idaho, a a very rural place in the United States. And uh, my dad always said that if I, if I didn't uh, do well in, in, uh, in school, then I'd have to be a rancher. And I didn't want to do that. So I ran as hard as I could. And I knew that athletics was my way, not, not, uh, not my scholarship. And I did earn a scholarship to go to a little a school called Weber state down in a, okay. a, a place called Utah. Um, a wonderful coach in, in, in college, um, that, that taught me a lot about myself and about running. And he, he, he pulled me aside one day after it was my sophomore year and, um, and said that he thought that maybe I could be the first Olympian from, from Weber wow. state university. Okay. And that after 90 minutes, he told me a very elaborate story about what I was capable of doing and, and uh, talked about my considerable deficits as well as a runner. Cause I have a lot of those and how we're going to buttress those. And as I was leaving, and what so, was your event, Brad, if, uh, if I may ask? Yeah. My, my best event was the three, the 3000 meter steeplechase. Very nice. Okay. Yeah. So Chick Hislop was, um, it is a, a, a very fine steeple coach. And as I was leaving the office that, that day, he said, Brad, let's go do something that's never been done, right? Okay. First athlete from the, our school. And I just, that was our rally cry. It really captured my heart. And, and I gave him um, everything I've got and um, ended up uh, in 1992, Barcelona Games. I, uh, I was ranked 19th in the world, one of the best Americans. Wow. Um, I, was gonna, I was going to Barcelona, right? Well, the semifinal round, I slipped over the last water barrier oh, and okay. um, I didn't make the finals. And that was really hard. So I signed up for another four years after about a month long pity party uh, and and um, and then didn't make it to the starting line at the Olympic trials in, in Atlanta. 
because of a, of a hip injury. And, um, so I switched my story, got married to a woman on the track team, a, a, a marathon, uh, Olympic trials qualifier. And we figured we'd make some hybrids <laughs> and, <laughs> and our kids are really fast. Some of you might understand what a, a 3,200 meter race is. One of our sons ran an 851, wow, 3,200 okay. meters in high school. So that gives you just an idea we just super fast kids. And I'm loving this, enjoying being a dad and, and building a, a professional speaking career as a, a, a leadership and an inspirational speaker. And I'm in a tr- high school track meet one day and I got, I, I got called onto the track. I don't know how to describe it better than that. I just knew I was supposed to do this again. It didn't make any sense, but I knew I had to. And um, I ran a 430, uh, 443 mile, ripped my wow. quad uh, a, a year later a 432 mile and then ripped my quad called my coach and said, what do we do? And we looked at the world record for the master's age group, 45 to 49, uh, indoors was 420. And, okay. uh, we decided to go do something that's never been done. So that's kind of the, the genesis of my, of my master's career. Wow. Okay. And between your college days and, uh, before you commenced running again, uh, if I remember correctly, there is also a pretty long break, right? When you were not doing, uh, I mean, you were more, you know, doing your professional work and raising your yep. family and all that. How yeah, long was that break? Uh, yeah. Uh, 19 years between wow, okay. when I got off so, the track so two- and when I stepped back on the track again, and I, I ran off and on most of the, most of that. I, I'm a, I'm a real goal oriented focused person. So I really tough for me to stay fit and, and motivated if I don't have something in front of me. So some event. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So that, that may be, if you're having trouble with your listeners are having trouble staying motivated, maybe you're wired like me and you need to have some 5k in front of you or a 10k or, you know, some, if you've got a goal in front of that sure helped me to, to stay, to stay focused because yep. I knew I had this thing coming up in in three and a half months, and and I was going to suffer if I didn't uh, if I didn't get ready for it. So, okay. So, uh, uh, you know, who who were some of the big influencers? And I'm I'm sure you are going to probably start with uh, uh, Coach uh, Hislop, who, who you just mentioned uh, in your when you were talking about your background. So, just take us through some of the you know people who have made a big impact um, on in on your athletic career. Yeah. So my, my high school coach uh, once told me, he says, if you want to change your story, you've got to change your stories. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slow down right here. Cause this is, this is gold advice right here. And, and it, it ties into some of the other podcasts that uh, uh, the interviews that you've done, Raj, if you want to change your story and I badly wanted to change my story, okay. uh, learning disabilities, ter- pretty terrible grades, uh, not a lot of belief in myself. Um, I was super small coming out of high school. I was just tiny. If you want to change your story, you've got to change your stories. So he started teaching me about self-talk. The most okay. powerful stories that I will ever hear are the ones that I say to myself. And some of those most powerful stories that I'm t- saying to myself are, are one word long, right? So what words are you speaking to yourself that, that if you do, do something that, that is not very bright, right? All of us have made mistakes and sometimes viscerally even smack ourselves. Stupid, 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 right? Are we telling more of those stories or less of those stories? And, and to take it out of the athletic realm, 
um, culture is a really important aspect of human achievement. Culture yes. of a family, culture of a, of a company, right? A, a whole countries have cultures. So here's a crazy question for for your listeners: What is the anatomy of culture? What okay. is it? What What is it built of? What is culture made of? And I'm going to be very simplistic here, maybe too simplistic, but I would submit that that maybe culture, because culture isn't static. Culture it gets better it's and it always, gets worse yeah. over time, right? It's always evolving. It's very dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. Very dynamic. So what about this as a definition? What if culture gets better over time as the the critical mass of stories get better? There's always yep. going to be negative stories in a in a in a in an office or a, cult, a a factory or wherever you're working. There's always negative stories. There's always positive stories. But what if more of the of the stories are positive? I would submit that that culture gets better, and the same thing is is adversely true as well. So, what about inside our own heart? Are we telling more stories or less stories? And something else that he taught me is he says twenty percent more beautiful stories. 20% less ugly stories. So for instance, uh, he asked me, uh, uh, how many ugly things do you say to yourself every day? Give me a number. I have no idea. But 20, way more than that. 100, way more. Five, okay, maybe 500. Brad, tomorrow, do you think you could maybe say 400 ugly things to yourself? <laughs> right? It's, it's laughable now to think about it. But I remember looking and thinking, yeah, I probably could limit that to 400 ugly things. Okay, how many positive stories are you telling yourself? Well, not very many coach, a hundred, no way, 20, no way. Okay. Maybe five, Brad, tomorrow, do you think you could maybe say six beautiful things to yourself? I remember looking at him stunned thinking, yeah, I think I could probably do that. He says, that's good. And and then he says, look what you do. If it, I'm not saying it would be easy because you got a whole 14 year lifetime of habits saying uh, 500 negative and only five positive. If you could really pull this off though and make it stick. Brad, that's 20% more positive, 20% less negative. Buddy, that would be a 40% improvement on the way you feel about yourself. So here's a question for your listeners, Raj. If you could have a 40% improvement in, in, in your, the, the esteem that you have for yourself, would that make a difference? Oh, 100%. I mean, uh, there's yeah. no doubt. I would, right? and, yeah, and, and, I, I would submit that that would make all the difference. <laughs> absolutely. And as the saying goes, we are uh, we are often or most often we are our own worst enemies, right? I like because of our negative self-chatter and self-doubt and what have you. Right. And so, so as far as influences, this man taught me how to say more neg- more positive, less negative. And the how's the, here's the practical part of it. It's just a little bit. You don't have to go and do this sweeping change. All you have to do is 20%, right? I could get my mind around the notion of 20%. And the thing is, it started working. When I started saying a little less negative and a little more positive, I felt better about myself. And because I felt better, I was willing to suffer more on the, yeah. on the wrestling mat. I was willing to suffer more on the cross country field and on the track, suffer more in the classroom, right? Um, I was willing to, to grow spiritually, do the hard work of, of, of growing spiritually, right? And, and getting out of my comfort zone because I was very backwards at, uh, in, in, um, in my, um, the, the, the socialization as well. I just was, I needed little steps. I'm reading a book um, right now called Teeny Habits and that's, uh, J.B. 
uh, excuse me, BJ Fogg wrote a book called a a fine book called teeny habits. And so I love this notion. I'm reading this thing about this is coach taught me to to have, to do teeny improvements and getting rid of a a teeny bit of, of the, of the unimprovement makes the huge difference. Yep. Uh, As they, as they say, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? So small improvements lead to, lead to big changes uh, eventually, just like, I guess, uh, in training. And you want to talk a bit about uh, your coach, uh, coach at college, uh, who had also a big impact uh, on your coach, uh, Hislop? Yeah, so this man did something remarkable in college. Um, he reinvented the 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 three thousand meter steeplechase. Okay, uh, some of your listeners, if you watch the Olympic Games, it's one of the the, tw- the tw- track and field uh, international track and field events. And uh, there's barriers instead of hurdles that fall over. The barriers don't fall over. The steeplechaser, there's usually blood in a three thousand meter steeplechase. I mean, that is a very difficult event. And uh, so for over a century, people had been jumping over the barriers. Well, Chick Hislop was the first that I know of person to say, wait, let's, let's make this the distance hurdle event. Let's okay. teach the skinny little distance runners how to become efficient hurdlers. So he taught us, he, we'd spend the first uh, couple, three or four weeks um, after cross country is over with and in the, the, the gym on the ground doing, the, doing just the very basics of the business. And then after a while, he would have us standing up against the wall doing hurdle ritual drills. And then we'd, we'd put it together t- towards the, the middle of the winter uh, all the way through it. We, we'd put the whole thing together. By the time we got to outdoor track, we were, we were really good st- uh, hurdlers. And okay. we could beat guys on, on a on a flat race in a, in a steeple that we could ne- never beat in a flat race. Now, why why that's important? What is what are you doing, listener? That's the same thing, right? Different, different, same story, different uh, details. What are you doing to make teeny incremental improvements on your on your uh, stride uh, length, right? Um, on, on your diet, your sleep, your self talk. So that's that's one thing he taught me that can be extrapolated really to life is let's let's figure out how to make um, to systematize what you're doing, maybe on your schedule. Right. Your your morning ritual. So uh, tell me something uh, in terms of uh, your, you know, your Mm -hmm. training, your, uh, you know, all and all the related aspects like what you just touched upon, including nutrition, sleep, recovery. Uh, Just give us a snapshot of what are some of the very good habits that you believe you are following these days. So, of course, for what you achieve uh, and what you what your goals are going to be in the future, which we will also talk about in a bit, uh, you have to be training very hard. I mean, and training by which what I mean is the physical aspect of it, going out there and hammering the intervals, the so you know, uh, the longer runs, doing the gym work and what have you. But give just help us with the the overall uh, you know overall principles behind how you approach your current training how do you keep yourself fit and then i want to after that talk about how do you keep yourself motivated yeah so um maybe i'll take the last one first um sure the, the motivation for me I've, I've already mentioned the notion of having something out in front of me i think that's really critical for the way i'm wired up and uh, once again if you're having trouble with your motivation Try putting a race on your schedule. 
sure. a road, road race or something. Get, get something in front of you. Maybe you're going to go do some time trial, whatever. Figure out what you're going to do in front of you. And that, that helps a little bit. Um, um, coach told me early on, and this is really kind of a cool thought. He says, Brad, we're going to have to do, you're going to have to do maybe a thousand really, really hard, difficult, painful things in order to get yourself in a position to, to break a world record. You know, it's easy to say, well, break a world record. Well, how about this? No human being has ever done this before, right? Yeah. That's, that's pretty intimidating, isn't it? Right. We're going to go do something that nobody has ever done. Wow. Um, you, you may even have to do a thousand hard things in order to get yourself in a position. He said, so you can either make a thousand really tough, painful decisions to do all those thousand hard things, or you can make one great, big, huge decision to do all thousand things. Okay. And then living with a, with a, with a committed, how about it? This, how living with a decided heart, I've already decided I'm going to do all those thousand things. And then it, that literally cuts the workload in half, Raj, right? Because now I don't have to decide to do those things. I just got to go do them. And um, there's, a, there's a famous Western writer in the United States, um, um, Zane Gray. He, he, he once says the ordeal is to start, yep. right? The hard part is to, to get started. So what if I just decided that I'm, I'm going to get started and do all of them, and now I just go do them? So it's a pretty simple idea, but wow, living with a decided heart. What if I decide I, I have a decided heart that I'm going to have a better marriage with my spouse? I'm going to be a better parent to my teenagers. I've decided that I'm going to like myself more. Well, how about how about um, that means that means now I've got to do a bunch of hard things. I've got to read a book <laughs> or listen to a, some podcasts on, on being a better spouse and be a, a servant leader. I've got to have, learn how to, 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 to relate and get on the level with my teenager. I'm sure. So anyway, that's that, that notion of having a decided heart was a big motivator for me. Okay. Something that, something else that, um, that I, that I kind of fell into and I'm reading this tiny habits book and I'm thinking, dang, I already figured that out. This is convergent evolution. Um, the very, the very minimal thing that I have to do every day is strap on my running sho- shoes and touch the pavement. Okay. So, so imagine, you know, your version of, of some, you know, you're this busy, busy day, right? I don't have time. It's so many t- times I just don't have time to go, to go, do, to go train. But consistency is a huge part of the motivation as well as the results. So what if, what about this? I'm thinking, I, I just can't fit in you know, my, my hour run or my, or my 45 minute run. So here's what I am going to do though. I do have time to run, get out of my office and run upstairs to my living space uh, and get dressed into my running gear, strap on my running shoes, run outside and touch the road. I do have time to do that every day. That's it. Period. Right. And then I can come back down and and redress and get back into into my office. Well, guess how many times that I actually go to the trouble of getting my my uh, shoes strapped on and touch the road where I don't actually go for a run, right? I'm I'm already started. There's some momentum already created, and so I would just submit. What is your version, listener, to to that idea? 
to touch the road. Strap your running shoes on and go touch the road. I would submit that you're going to increase the amount of, of, uh, of, of movement you're going to have in your life if you'll just go touch the road. Yep. And, and often what happens is even if you have told yourself that this is going to be a very short run or a short workout, often you end up doing whatever you should have done that day, notwithstanding all the other pulls and pressures of uh, pressures of the of the day. Can yep. we dive a little deeper into uh, some of the important training th- things that you do these days? So- yeah. Yeah. So um, I was listening to one of your podcasts. I think it was uh, episode 68, Keith Bateman. And Keith yep. is somebody, I don't know Keith. I know a lot of my uh, contemporaries in, in, in track and field masters uh, world. I don't know Keith. I hope to someday. Um, yep. Coach and I are actually get. I just turned 55 uh, a couple of months ago and, um, and, um, and we're gunning for his M55 mile world record. And, um, he talked a lot about overstriding. That's a yep. huge thing for me. I've, I I kind of just happened into that notion when I was a junior in college and coach thought I could qualify for the, the NCAA championships in the okay. mile. And so I'm running at altitude. So this is you know, almost 40, 4,500 feet. Um, all I'd need to do is run a, a 407 mile at, with the altitude conversion and he set me up with a rabbit and this rabbit was just not quite to the speed that I wanted. So I'm continually tripping over this guy in the, <laughs> the first thousand meters. And I'm saying, come on, Gerald, come on, Gerald, uh, Paul, uh, and, and let's go, let's go. And the whole time I'm just tripping on myself trying. And I, that was the easiest mile I've ever run. I ran 407. At altitude, which is converted to a 402 or 401, I, I made it then in, in, indoor NCAA championships. And that got wow. me thinking, am I overstriding? I've never heard of such a thing. People didn't talk about it back then. And so I uh, set on, on a quest to, to, to rid myself of overstriding. Keith Bateman has written a whole book that's centered around this notion. And yeah, there's, absolutely. so I would, I would commend your listeners to get back to, uh, to episode 68 if you haven't there's one thing that i wanted to add to that to that conversation i've not read his book yet and, and okay. i want to but i didn't hear any any mention of his arm movement now okay. here's what i tell my young athletes because I, I do some uh, i've had a lot of experience and and um and uh, uh influence on on young athletes don't everybody over uh, here's a blanket statement everybody overstrides okay except for the few people that don't right it's okay. just it's just a chronic thing people are overstriding i love the um keys a definition of what an overstriding is where you're landing too far in front of your center of gravity and so there's a braking motion between yeah. where you your heel strike and and where your center of gravity is until you get up over the top of your center of gravity and now you're back into a, a for, forward dynamics, right? Yeah. So if I can get my 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 strike as close to over the top, and you can't get over the top, like you said, you fall over, right? I, I want to shorten my stride. Well, my the best way to do that that I found is to forget about your legs completely. Okay. Just do it with your arms. So th- okay. there's three words that, that I, that I teach my young athletes that I continue to do with myself shorter, quicker, 
more relaxed. So you can, you can eliminate your overstriding problem if you will just do a little shorter stride with your arms. Okay. Do a little bit quicker turnover with your arms. And if you're just doing those th two things, it tends to, to broadcast um, a tightness from your fists all the way up through to your shoulders and then all through your whole body. And you're not going to be as efficient. So the third one oh, is critical okay. as well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go shorter. I'm going to go quicker. And I'm going to be more relaxed with my arms. And I guarantee you, if your left arm goes forward, your your uh, right leg is 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 go is, you know it's going back. You you're going to be less. Uh, you're going to shorten your stride if you go shorter, quicker, more relaxed with your arms. Everything else takes care of itself. Okay, so just to just to summarize that point, this is a wonderful insight, and you know, hopefully, listeners can connect back uh, to. Keith's, uh, Keith's, Keith's episode, uh, which was dedicated to, you know, this whole topic. But this is a wonderful addition and it's much easier, right? Because you can monitor your arm movement much better even when you are running. I mean, really, it's impossible practically to really see exactly where your feet is landing, etc. I mean, it's more a concept. But if there is a if there is a proxy or a different way to achieve the same same end result, uh, by monitoring or by making sure your arms are moving shorter, faster, and as you said, more relaxed. Brilliant! This is just uh, this is just too good. Fact, I want to try it tomorrow itself. Yep, especially Raj, when you start getting tired. Um, yep. my, my young athletes, if you think about, if you watch someone at a finish line coming down the last four hundred meters or two hundred, especially the last fifty meters, I call it muscling. People are muscling it, and as you muscle it. Your arms are lengthened out, and your and your 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 jaw is just tight, and it's just it's just the fatigue. People str overstride worse as they get fatigued. That, yeah. That's one way I can tell if one of my athletes is getting uh, starting to get fatigued in like a a, a tempo run. They start overstriding. They're starting to muscle it. So that especially is where you go to to that finesse. I tell my kids in a cross country race where they can't they can't hear me very well because there's so many people screaming. I I scream finesse, right? Let's go to finesse. Let's let's be ballet dancers, right? Especially as we're getting deeper into the race where we're starting to suffer more. Think of this: you're light on your feet. You're going to go shorter, a little quicker, more relaxed with your arms. It, relax is important part. We're going to be light on our toes, running tall is what my coach calls it. And, and some of your dis endurance athletes. And so you're not going to probably end up on your toes much, but uh, that's why I like barefoot running. Maybe we can talk a little bit about barefoot running as well. You can't land on your heel. If you're barefoot running, it, it just doesn't work. You're going to, you're going to break your molars, right? So that's one nice thing about barefoot running. I think all of us ought to be doing a little, at least a little bit of that because it puts us back off our heel and onto the ball of our feet. And then yep. when we're, for, for those of you that are trying to run really, really fast, if you're running, you know, 800 meters, um, a, a mile, when we're doing intervals, coach keeps yelling, run tall. That means that we're, we're shifting from even the ball of our feet, my feet. I'm, I'm shifting to running right on my toes. And yep. for this, if I can get my, my, um, calves fit to do that, um, I, I can run fast. I can run just as fast a quarter mile repeats. Let's say we're doing eight or, 
or, or, or 12 quarter mile repeats. If I shift to running on my toes, I can run the same thing. And it's, I don't know what percentage is, but it's so much easier to run yep. on my toes. So okay. um, th Got those it. are a couple of ideas. No, this is wonderful. And uh, what is, uh, I mean, and, and I know it varies through the year and depends on what event you are training for, but take us through a typical training week of yours. Um, yeah. I, so so actually, what sort of mileage, like yeah. you clock, what's the kind of mileage range? Right. And, and what sort of workouts you do, like how many easy runs? Let, how me, many let me back up just a little bit. I actually take this in, in three separate um a, a training cycle, as we call it, is in, in three separate cat, uh, sections. There's th about three months getting okay. ready to run to run uh, uh, mileage, and yeah. sometimes I, when I get to the end of my uh, my age group, I've got to have a break. I mean, I'm, I've set records at M45 records at 48, M50 records at 53, right? Yeah. So. I'm close to getting ready to go. So it takes about three months to get myself ready for that second part, which is base building. So I'm starting out really, really, uh, you know, maybe 10 miles a week for the first week or two and then okay. building it up. I'm not going to increase my mileage more than 10% a week. That's an important aspect, 10% uh, of mileage increase a week. So by the end of that three months, I'm up to the point where I can run 40 to 50 miles a week. Okay. okay. The second phase is another three months and that is where we're base building. So if you're, you know, we're going to create a fast road, we're going to put a bunch of base in there. If I'm building a house, we're building the foundation for the season, right? We're going to do yeah. about three months at, at 40. Well, as I get, as I age and now 55 coaches is saying that we want to, we want to top out about 40 miles a week, maybe 45 in a, it, it, at a long week. Um, it, when I'm doing four, when I was at uh, M50, excuse me, M45 uh, to 49 age group, we were up to 60 miles a week, okay. and I wow. pushed that okay. to 65. But I, it's I'm it's, it's not time to do that. That that time has passed. So at the end of those the, that 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 six month period, right, three months building, and then three months of solid base, then we're getting on the track. And we found that I can't handle th three hard workouts a, a week like I used to when, when I was a college kid. So we're running twice hard, twice hard. And it, typically it's a, a fast interval session and then, and then, a, and then a, a more strength interval session. So for, let's say, the mile, we're going to go one and a half to two times race distance uh, for, for intervals. So if I'm going to run a mile... I'm going to run six to eight quarters. I'm going to do it at race pace. And as I get more fit, then we're going to shorten this, the, uh, the rest interval. So a typical, uh, a mile workout, fast mile workout would, and we're doing it at, at, uh, at altitude too. So you have to adjust it for sea level, but I'm going to run at race pace. So I'm going to, let's say I want to run a four, uh, four twenty mile. I'm going to be running my intervals at 65. Now I, we get to down to that. We're not going to start that. But the last six weeks of that of that uh, uh, twelve week um, period, um, we're we're getting to the point where I can run at at uh, that sixty five second pace. So we'll run a sixty five second quarter, take ninety seconds rest, and then just and and just repeat. Um, we found that doing it in two sets has been helpful as well. So I'll do well. We're getting to uh, um, shortening the rest down to forty. Is it seventy-five seconds as well? 
and then taking a three minute break between sets. So we're either doing a straight set of eight or doing a, what I call a broken set, right? So I do four and then an extra rest, three minutes rest instead of 90 seconds uh, or two and a half minutes instead of 75 seconds. And then as I get more fit and then we finish that, uh, then we finish the, the, the last four. So an, another interval, uh, interval workout that, that is uh, popular that we're doing is a, a 600 meters and then a 200 meters. So I'm doing okay. 600 meters at race pace, taking um, 60 seconds rest, and then doing it. Actually, we're getting 60 seconds early in the season and 30 seconds late in the season, and then doing the finishing at, at race pace. And then we're taking a two minute rest between those intervals. And I'm only doing four of those because again, that's that's twice the race, race distance. And then the second interval of the week is something that is more 3000 meter oriented. So again, it's the two to one and a half to two times. So I'm running 4,500 meters up to six, 6,000 meters to train for a, a 3000 meter uh, uh, event. I think there's some rough equivalent for a 10 K um, a marathon. I, I, you know, certainly you're not going to go one and a half times, but there's some, there's some version of that. That's, that's right for you. Okay, wonderful. And and then in between these two hard workouts or the interval workouts, uh, interval and strength workout, as you said, you would be doing days of easy running. How so? Typically, yeah. what's your running week like? Is it like all yeah. seven days, five days, six days? Yeah, I, I run six days a week. I, okay. I take Sunday is our rest day, okay. and so I'm I'm doing this mileage in six days, and we've found that I do much better cross training. So as I get older, I've got a, a an elliptical and I've got a, a decent one. It's not a you know very expensive one. I think it's a thousand dollar unit. But I get on an elliptical if I'm a, in a, a on a speaking tour, you know, and I'm in hotels or whatever. They're toys. These are toy. You got to get a good one. <laughs> Mine has yeah, a little honestly. extra stride, and I just I just, I really loathe the, uh, being on an elliptical. That's not a good one, um, but. Anyway, I do, I do about 40, even early in the season, 50% of my mileage on an elliptical and keeping my heart rate in the training zone. And so um, I do an elliptical and I also do an elliptigo. Have you guys heard of elliptigos out there? No, I haven't. What is that, elliptigo? An, an elliptigo is, um, is where a, a bicycle and an elliptical oh. machine got married and had a baby. <laughs> so okay. it's actually an elliptical <laughs> on wheels and it's super fun it's a blast and and the, the company sponsored me and i've, I've got a I've, i'm an ambassador for them i love elliptigos they're just so much fun so look into that and maybe maybe get to sure i will if uh, i will put a link into my in my show notes and which will go on the podcast website as well Elliptico, so uh, yeah. what about uh, what about body weight or weight training do you do that as well yeah i call it core training. I don't do a lot with my legs. I'm get, I get plenty of that. I do a little bit because I've had some uh, ripped quads. So I do a little bit of that, but mostly it's core body. If I can get my core fit, then I can run fast. So I'm doing most of my core stuff. I do two to three times a week, depending on where I'm at in the training cycle. And I'm on, um, I'm on an exercise ball and I've got a 20 pound weight. I do most of my stuff with with a with a twenty pound weight and a and a and a and a ball, and so you okay. don't have to have a lot of money to be able to do core body stuff. And so you know you get a YouTube on how to do core body fitness on a on a, an exercise ball. You know there's 
you're, you're good to go. So that's a very, very important. I can run faster when my core is, is better. And I can sure. tell when I'm not doing my, if I get busy and haven't done my core, I'm out on, on doing intervals and I, you know, I'm suffering. So I love, yeah. it's such an important part of what we're doing is core body fitness. Okay. And what about your nutrition? What are some of the aspects that you really take care and focus on? Yeah, great questions. Wow. Um, I very, very minimal with dairy. And maybe your okay. listeners don't do dairy anyway, but that's a huge thing in the States. I just, I, I, it, I, I run faster when I'm not, when I, I certainly don't drink milk, you know, a little bit of yogurt here and there. Um, but dairy is something that I shy away from. And, um, and butter, I love butter. Well, I, I'm using, um, I'm using coconut oil instead. Palm oil is, is my go-to now. And, uh, I try and make sure that I get plenty of, of protein. I'm an overeater. That's kind of the way I'm wired up. Every, this is ter- This is a terrible way to live maybe, but anything worth doing is worth overdoing. <laughs> I don't recommend this, right? I don't have two beehives in my backyard. I've got a hundred in the field, right? I don't have a couple of fruit trees. I've got I got 50. I mean, that's just kind of the way I'm wired up, but, um, I'm, I'm an overeater. So that's something that I've got to really, really, uh, uh, um, watch is, is most of us eat too much, Raj. One of yeah. the, the, the fellows that, that I uh, really admire is in the master's world. His name is Nolan Shahid. And this is kind okay. of a crazy concept for you. Nolan Shahid ran the fastest, um, mile over 50 in history 18 okay. years people tried to break 425 he, his record was 425.04 and then um i i was that was the he was the that's the record that i broke and i love knowing he's, uh, he's an acquaintance of mine he um he eats once he eats once a day during the season okay. off season he eats once every other day Okay. I don't know that I'm ready to recommend that, but I've started, to, I've gone to intermittent fasting and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Uh, a lot of days I eat once and um, during the season, it's more of twice for me, but I certainly am not eating three times like I always had. That has helped me a ton. Okay. Less meat as well. I, I'm eating less meat and some of your listeners don't eat meat and I just think it's great. I've got a daughter that eats very sparingly. So when I, when I'm in my training cycle, I, I, I limit my, my uh, flesh intake as well. Okay. So can you t- talk to the listeners now a little bit about your upcoming uh, goals? Uh, what are you targeting, uh, targeting now? And uh, what are the, some of the events you have planned, uh, not just in your racing, but are you, you know, in, uh, are you writing something, some book or? Yes. Uh, so what, what's, what's happening in your life? Right. So it's, it's been a long time. It's 2006 is when I, when I finished my last book, it's called Beyond Illusions. And it's a really good book. And that's part of my problem because I'm a bit of perfectionistic. I've written such a great book and it's done so well. It's changing lives. The book that I've been writing now since 2014, it's called Back on Track is the working title. And it's about, it's really not about uh, masters running. It's about getting back on the steep part of the learning curve. Uh, think yeah. about uh, when you start your job or when you start your marriage or when you start your parenting, we have a steep learning curve and it's kind of yeah. a tough place to be. It's an awful yeah. place to be. It's, it's, it's very intimidating as well. Yeah. It, it, on the steep part of the learning curve, 
you know, it's, it's just, we're out of our comfort zone, right? Most of us yeah. spend most of our life having arrived and it's just boring. Here's something that my coach uh, teaches, uh, Chick Hislop. He says, all of us, I hope you do, uh, your listeners can take this the spirit that it's given. He says, all of us deserve to wake up a little scared. That's the word yeah. he uses. And I like the word probably better frightened or maybe a little stressed, right? There's something called good stress. He says, all of us deserve to wake up a little scared. What are you talking about, coach? Because we're, we've got something in front of us th- that day that is so intimidating that we're not sure that we're, that we're woman enough or man enough to, to, to handle it. Not sure. Yeah. Not sure I can do this. What a wonderful place to live. So my book is really about getting back on the learning curve and doing something hard. Okay, my version of it was getting back on the track and trying to run faster than anyone ever has with my coach. Um, but what is it that you're, that, have, have you ever been on uh, your way to work? And you just have that melancholy moment where you're wondering, is this it? You know, is this it? I'm 40 years old now is, or 50 or maybe I'm 60. Is, is this all right? I don't, can you relate to that, Raj, where you just wonder? Yeah, absolutely. That? I'm sure uh, most of the listeners would also relate to that because uh, everybody should have, would have gone through this at one point or the other, right? Yep. And when I feel that feeling, that is my wake-up call to get back out of my comfort zone and get back to doing something that's hard, right? JFK, the, uh, um, JFK, the, the, our, our president, he, he said in the, I think, 1960, he says, we are going to go to the moon, not because it's easy, but because it's hard, right? And then we did. We did something really hard as a nation. What are we doing right now? What are you doing, listener? Okay, you're listening to a podcast right now. So we're speaking to a skewed ver- a, a, a segment of the population. We're, you're already on the grow, listener, right? And let's inspire other people to get to do the same thing we're doing and getting back to listening to podcasts instead of just doing something fun. Let's get on the, let's get on the grow, use it or lose it. Right. Uh, That book, barefoot running book that I read, he talked about that and how um, we, if we're not bouldering once in a while, I don't know if you guys have boulders where you're where you live, but jumping from boulder to boulder, there's some, they're running up and down stairs instead of, is taking the elevator and don't just t- take the stairs, run the yep. stairs, right? Because C- there's some muscle memory that we lost as that we had as a kid. And if we don't use those neural pathways, we're going to lose them. So let's get yep. back running fast, right? Let's get back running uh, uh, at a faster cadence. If we're tired of our running, change your mile pace by a, a minute per mile. Do yep. that a little bit. Start uh, running sideways, run backwards a little bit, get your different muscle pathways. It'll, it'll stave off, you know, uh, um, uh, your late light or early onset or maybe late onset uh, dementia. If we can get our, our minds stimulated again. So that's the book that I'm writing right now is back on track. And it's not about masters running, although there's some master stories there. So when are you look I mean, when can we expect this to come out? The next 12 months. <laughs> oh okay sometime yeah. in the next 12 months I, I've, okay yeah i've just I, i'm I, i've got a lot of work still yet to do on this book okay. thanks for got asking me about that so um the uh, i'm 55 another thing that we're working on um coach and i had, for 15 months after our knee surgery uh, we we're targeting running breaking uh, keith bateman's 
a, a mile world record, M55 mile world record. And I knew I was ready to Which is at 4.35 currently. 4.35.04. And, yeah. um, and we were, we were sub 4.30 fit and getting ready to go to Corvallis, Oregon to go re- break this record. And, and I, I ripped my middle, medial meniscus again. So I'm back from surgery and it's not coming very fast for me this time. I don't know. I've got a lot. I'm dancing with doubt. That's the way I, that I, the way I couch it is, is dancing with doubt. And that's okay to dance with doubt. As long as I love the uh, Brad, uh, Bradford Cooper, he is uncanny. He used the same term with my, I do with my athletes, replacement therapy. <laughs> so if you think about this, so I'm, I'm going to invite your, your listeners to, to try this. Don't think about an elephant that's in a tree. Okay. Don't picture the, 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 uh, the, the, the branches being weighed down by this. Don't do this by the, by the, the weight of this elephant and there's pink, pink toenails, right? Don't think of that, right? How are you doing? <laughs> right. If, if we're not thinking about something, we're thinking about it. So when my, what I uh, uh, preach to my, my uh, high school kiddos, in a cross country race in the States. Anyway, it's three miles or 5k, right? A little over three miles. The first mile we're dancing with doubt. Well, let's replace that with faith, faith in myself as a human being, as an athlete, as a competitor. The second mile is discouragement. We're so far away from the, the finish line that it's just discouraging. And, and so replace that with confidence confidence in my, my coaching, right. In my training confidence that what my coach told me I could do, I can do. So the last mile is de- it's despair. You know, that's a, if, if you're running a, a, a cross country race or any race hard, that last mile, Oh, it's, it starts to get very painful. Well, how about, how about this? And some of you won't relate to this, but I, I go to fury. You know, I just get angry. I ran angry the last, the last, and with a smile, an angry smile, right? So uh, uh, doubt, discouragement, despair is replaced with faith and confidence and fury. Do your words that work for you. Maybe it's gratitude the last mile. It's not strong enough for me to to, fury will will, will combat the, 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 the despair though for me. And, um, my athletes have had some great, great success with that. And, and I have too. replacement therapy. We're not responsible for the thoughts that enter the stage of our mind, but we are responsible for those thoughts that we allow invite to remain and perform on our stage absolutely our mind, right absolutely so we're gonna ki- they come to, to play we kick them off and we place them with something that's 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 more practical yeah got it uh in fact uh, i have a very good friend who is running uh his first marathon in uh, in three days time and nice you know this is precisely what i have uh, i have told him like as in the latter stages of a marathon however well you are, you are trained you may be a olympic gold medalist or a world record holder it doesn't really matter because there will be you will go through a lot of pain and there will be negative thoughts which come come to your mind that you can't help it but what what matters is how you how quickly can you replace it? How quickly can you get it out of your mind? Yep. You cannot stop those thoughts, but you cannot let it sit there and fester and, you know, uh, put down its roots and grow because that's what that's what is going to slow down, slow you down, and uh, you know, make it even more uncomfortable, uncomfortable for you. So it's it's absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, 
correct uh, what you just said, Brad. Mm. So tell us something. Uh, what are some of the resources that you would like to recommend to our uh, listeners? I will obviously link your book and uh, you know your works, uh, but are there something else? I mean, I know you mentioned one of the teeny habits. That's the book you you mentioned. Uh, you are reading now. Is uh, but are there any other things? A few. Yeah, a few na- few things you want to uh, recommend? Uh, yeah, another book that I've that I've recently read, and I, I'm loving this book. Um, it's it's a book called um, Raise Your Game, and that's raise a, yeah raise 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 your game. And I'm thinking of the of the author uh, Alan Stein. It, yeah. it, that's a great book. I was uh, interviewing my coach just a few, uh, maybe three three months ago, and and I said, "What are you reading?" Because he's eighty. He's 84 <laughs> years old this month and we're still working together and he still reads. He still reads four books a month. And uh, what are you reading, coach? I don't ask him, are you reading? Right. Cause he's a student. That's another thing. What are you do? What are you reading right now? Right. And he says, Oh, maybe the best book that I've ever read. Wow. And okay. I'm thinking, wow. Cause this guy's read thousands of books Yeah, and, and it's Alan Stein, uh, Stein or Steen's book, uh, raise your game. It's an NBA National Basketball Association trainer that has uh, some crazy awesome stories, and and it's it's really a, it's a book that's impacting me as well. Another book that I really like, um, uh, Jim Quick wrote a book. Um, oh boy, what that's the, okay. I will. I will. Uh, Jim, uh, I Jim, will Jim, Jim Quick, Limitless is Limitless, another okay. book that I'm really liking. Jim Quick's book, Limitless. Okay, wonderful. And if listeners want to follow you, what's the best way to follow you? Yeah, so um, you can check out my website, bradspeaks.com. I'm a professional speaker. Um, yeah. A little plug for, for an inspirational leadership speaker. Uh, um, so bradspeaks.com. And then I am not terribly active on Facebook when I'm off season. And right now I'm off season again, but and you can check me out at bradspeaks.com. And I, I have updates and I'll, I'll actually post this podcast link uh, to, yeah. to Brad, to Brad Speaks um, uh, Facebook site. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's probably it. So, so your website, bradspeaks.com, as well as uh, the Facebook, uh, Facebook group. Do you use uh, Twitter or Instagram or any of that? I, I, I do Instagram and I'm not even, I don't, I don't, I'm not, yeah, that's not a So website, it looks, sounds like your website is probably the best way to follow yep. you. Yep. Yeah, and then I, I commend my book, uh, Beyond Illusions. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a, anyway. No, I will absolutely I link it. Uh, I will absolutely link it in my uh, show notes. So I prepare fairly detailed uh, show notes on uh, all the episodes. So which goes on the podcast website as well. So listeners can anytime, uh, you know, look it up uh, even in the, even in the future. So uh, well, can, can I, can I toss one more little tidbit in there? Uh, Brad, sure. Bradford Cooper talked about role playing. Um, he talked about the minute details Whatever it is, athletics, running, uh, sales, pre- whatever, plan your race, then race your plan. And yeah. do it in minute detail. Every time I step on a, on a track to, to, go, to try and set a new record, I have run that race many times in my mind. And it's not yeah. just, it's minute details, right? I'm creating... Uh, uh, it's is visual imagery is what it is and especially the critical moments so just for one for instance 
uh, the, the U.S. Olympic trials in 1990, uh, 2016, they had a, a 1500 meters exhibition. So the fastest over 40 milers in the, in the nation. I was 50. I was an old guy in the field. And, and I, I gave coach my race plan. He says, okay, that's not how it's going to go though. The gun's going to go off. You guys are going to sprint down the, the back stretch of this 1500. Every one of the, all 11 of those guys are going to look up to the 22,000 fans in the stands and they're going to get scared to death and they're going to hit the brakes. You're going to need to be out in lane three at that point when you start that first turn. So when they, when they hit the brakes, you're going to have to go to the front and lead that race. If you want to break your own American record in the 1500 meters, you're going to have to do that. Well, it's, it went exactly those critical moments. I had already planned for that. I could be, I could have been stuck behind all of those guys when they did that. And now what do I do now? I've got to decide, right? Plan your race and then race your plan. Yep. Wonderful. Wonderful. Wonderful advice. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for that. Sorry, you were saying something else? Adding yeah, to that? I, so I wanted to make it more, uh, just put it into what your spouse, um, when she says, or he says something that's aggravating, plan your race, right? Know how you're going to stop and look at that and be intensely curious about what's going on inside their heart. Right. Uh, my wife, when I do that, she looks at me like I'm a specimen. And when she gives me that look, <laughs> then I realize, oh, I'm out of line right here. But that she's planned that that's how she's going to handle that. So again, let's make this about, about personal improvement, not just athletic. Okay. Thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful conversation, Brad. Thank you for all the insights. And we look forward to your upcoming uh, book, as well as obviously we hope we wish you a very quick getting back to your full fitness and uh, the attempt at the record for 55 plus age group. So all the very best for that. It's been a real, real pleasure talking to you. Raj, thank you for allowing me to be part of your vision. Thank you very much to all the listeners. Please check out the podcast website, runfitraj.com. That is R-U-N-F-I-T-R-A-J.com. It has all the podcasts, it has all the show notes, and there is a very useful search function as well. You can reach out to me on my social media handles, which are running and fitness with Raj on both Instagram and Facebook. And you can also email me on runningandfitnesswithraj at gmail.com. Please let me know if you have any questions or specific guests you would like to see on the show. I also request you all again to please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word. Please also leave a review on iTunes as it will help enormously to grow the show. We will continue to bring you exciting and interesting guests and give specific and actionable advice. Stay safe, stay healthy. Until the next show, goodbye.